You know, Elizabeth said we talked Frank in our house. I thought, oh man, hey, hey, hey easy, easy. <laughs> Not everybody needs to know everything. <laughs> Yikes. But there were some things, you know, sometimes uh, she gets excited and rage and, and apparently when good things happen and somebody tells you about a good thing, you're supposed to say, shut up. And uh, she started doing this. She did that at home, and it kind of freaks me out a little bit. You know, don't tell each other to shut up. No, it's a good thing, Dad. Well, I don't get it. But then I, I was at church, and somebody's telling, you know, Pastor Elizabeth the testimony or something. She's like, shut up. And they're like, huh? So I had to say, you know, you, know, you got to make sure everybody knows what's going on. And Pastor Pam will say something. She'll say, shut up. Pastor Pam now says back, yeah, shut up. So apparently everybody's getting it but me. So I don't know how that's going to help you today. But, you know, the word that I have for you today is the, the faith to finish strong. And uh, I, you'll probably hear half of this, and you'll probably say, well, Woody said that, or Pastor Pam, give Pastor Pam a hand. Amen. She just got back. Woo! Good to have Pastor Pam in the house. All the way from Mexico. Came in last night late. She flew in. Her arms were tired. <laughs> you know, all those things. But you're probably going <laughs> to, you know, it's just, huh? Come on. No, can't do that. Anyway, it's hilarious, right? Yeah, shut up! <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. Usually Corey's the only one that gives me stuff, so. So you might say, you know, I heard Pastor Pam say that same thing last week. I heard Pastor, you know, what, uh, uh, Pastor Bill said that on Wednesday, Pastor Bill's message on Wednesday. You need to get that. Check it out online at victorylafayette.org. You can get the, the CD back in the back, but... Uh, it, it's, it's just the thing I think that God is speaking to us, you know, right now. And especially to me, I, I believe. And I wanted to share a little bit with you today because, you know, the going gets tough. And then what happens after that? And when you, when you receive Jesus, when you're set free and when things change, and you may say, well, you know, you talk about this all the time. Well, I go through this all the time. You know, I mean, it, you, when, you, when you live by faith, you're constantly having to fight for the things that God has promised you. You continually have to stand on the word of God like it says in Ephesians in chapter six. And when the tough, you know, when the times get tough, the tough get going, hopefully, not the tough give up and run away. And the world seems to be different. There's a lot of wishy-washy. There's a lot of problems. There's not a lot of fighters in the world. There are a lot of people who are just, you know, they just throw up their arms and give up. We hope that the government's gonna take care of us. Well, that's a lie. That's not the truth. God takes care of us. I mean, you've got to have, let me tell you this, we, we talk about if you want God to really take care of you and watch over you, protect you and provide for you and, and be your, you know, your sole source of everything in your life, that takes faith. It takes even more faith to believe that our government's going to do that. I mean, don't you think? I mean, people, people say, I'm not a person if I just can't believe that. I can't believe the word of God. Well, you would rather believe on the things that the government and the people at the Capitol are saying? It takes more faith to believe that they know what's going on. It takes more faith to believe that the things that they're doing are going to take care of me. It's a lot easier to do this. It's a lot like evolution. People say, oh, I can't believe creation. It's too heiny. Have you read a evolution? Have you found out what evolution is about? I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's hocus pocus. And a lot of those people say, I only believe in it because I can't, I resist the other. You know, I, I, I know this could never happen, but see, I resist the other. Don't resist the other in your life. Because of the things that you see, the things that you hear, the things that are going on. If you look in Genesis and it's chapter 25. I don't know if it's wrong on your sheet or not. It might say 22, but I think it's Genesis 25, and it's 29 through 34. And it's the story of Esau. 
And I don't know where this came from. Somebody was talking about it somewhere along the way, or Pastor Pam was near there, I think, maybe last week, and I was reading this story. And it, and it dawned on me because in, in many instances, this is, this is the body of Christ, and this is what we've got to in this, in this world today. People are in debt because they've chosen an easy route over the tough time. See, they chose the easy route of just credit cards, spending, doing different things, and not saving and buying. You know, in the old days, people saved and they bought a car. Well, now they've made it so easy, we can just go out and buy a car. Well, it's not worth anything when you're driving off the lot and people end up in trouble. Now, I'm not saying I'm against getting a loan for a car and those kind of things. I have one. So working on paying it off as fast as we possibly can. But, you know, that's the idea. You know, people, people health-wise in their life in this country have decided that it's easier to just chill out and do their own thing and not worry about anything than to get out really and eat right and exercise. We've made fast food so convenient. We've made unhealthy food so convenient. See, the convenience outweighs the sacrifice of not doing it. The convenience of all those things. Oh, I don't want to wake up early and go for a walk. Well, then you're going to have to pay for and suffer with the consequences. And Esau got to the point in his life where he came in. It didn't say he was destitute. It didn't say he was stabbed 14 times. It didn't say he was going to, you know, seriously, physically perish because he'd taken an arrow to the head. He said, I'm tired and I'm hungry. And because he was tired and hungry, now he, you know, what did he do? He blew that up in his mind. He blew that up in his life. See, he decided that, oh, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. It says, now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. Well, how many of you have been weary? I mean, we've all, we all been a little tired at times because we all go like 90 to nothing most of the time. So you do get tired in your flesh. You do get tired in your body. But hopefully we don't grow weary in well-doing. Weary, you begin to let your guard down and the enemy begins to take advantage. So don't grow weary. Esau says that he was weary. And when Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew for I am weary, Jacob said, sell me your birthright and I'll do it. The birthright was a very important thing, right? I mean, the birthright was the one who was blessed, and that was the way the line went down, and Esau had the birthright. It was obviously contentious from the beginning because when he came out of the womb, Jacob grabbed a hold of his heel. There must have been a struggle, you know. It was a pretty nasty idea, probably pretty, pretty tough time. Why? Because the birthright was important. Now, I'm not, you know, abs- you know saying Jacob's got no problem in this and got no fault, but what, what, who I would fault in this and, and who it says, you know, in the New Testament, when you read back there, Jacob, Esau had some issues, man. They didn't really look highly on him because he traded that thing for just an instant cup of soup. He traded his birthright for a cup of soup. I'm famished. Well, take it for a cup of soup. I mean, he had some Campbell's, whatever, cup of soup, and he gave away, see, the birthright, all the things that he was entitled to. And as believers, we have that opportunity to hold on to the things that God's promised us, or we have the opportunity to let go of the things that God has promised us. Don't let go of the things that God has promised you. But you might have to fight, and you might get tired, and you might be hungry, but don't let go. Because Esau let go, and he traded his birthright, and he ended up with zilch. He lost his birthright, and he lost the blessing. On the other hand, it says Jacob wrestled with God later on, a couple chapters later. He wrestled, he wrestled with the angel of the Lord because he was not going. He said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I mean, he's already tricked his brother. I, you know, I don't know how that all worked out and all those kind of things. But in the end, I mean, he was wrestling to say, hey, 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 I am not letting go until you bless me. I am going to. Now, how many of you want to wrestle with the angel of the Lord? I don't even want to wrestle with him. I don't want to wrestle with anybody. 
But it said, he, man, he was, he was persistent. It said he went after the thing that he, that he had in his heart. He was holding on. And in the end, he had to walk with a limp. But, you know, walking with a limp was better than not being blessed. And I think sometimes we look at the fight, and I don't want to walk with a limp. And we look at the day, and we say, I don't want to go hungry. And we look at the time, and we say, we don't want to go without. And then we begin to mix this word with the things that we have in our head that don't rely on the truth. So there's faith that has to be at the base. My God will supply all of my needs according to his... That doesn't mean because I have a Chase credit card, my God will supply all of my needs according to his rich card, Jesus. See, because I have a Macy's card, that doesn't mean he's going to provide me with... Be led by the Spirit in the way that you do things and in how you deal with your finances, but the Holy Spirit's going to lead you in all things. And Pastor Bill shared on Wednesday night how important that is for us to be led by the Spirit in everything in our life that we're coming in and are in perilous times. They're only going to get darker. They're only going to get tougher. You're going to have to fight. Otherwise, 2 Timothy, if you would, please, chapter 3. Because this happens. This happens in people's lives. I, I'm, I'm, you know, another two calls today, not today, but this week. You know, people in their marriage who are getting divorced, having problems. I mean, it's just like, I, I, I'm ready to like dig a hole and go crawl in it and just put earphones on. And, Don't call me if you got bad news. You know, I mean, I, I, come on. I, these are people that are close to me. These aren't people that just are, you know, standing in the street somewhere. And these aren't people who don't know the truth. These are people who really, in many instances, not one over the other. But, you know, I shared about it the last time I preached with Elizabeth and I. People who aren't necessarily willing to fight. Who aren't willing to say, this is what God said. This is his will for our lives. And we are going to stand up. And we are not going to give in to the pressures of this life. We're going to go after those things. It says there, if you read that, not that one. It's the one that's in chapter 3, 2 Timothy. It's in chapter 3, and it's verse 2. It says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unforgiving, unloving, slanders without self-control, brutal despisers of God, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, hopefully that's not us. But if you go back to the story of Esau, he traded his thing. Why? Because of some of these issues and some of this stuff. In his life at that time and in that moment, he decided that a cup of soup was more important than his blessing and his inheritance from God. A cup of soup. Now, we are getting, I mean, we are moving into a new age and a new place, and I believe the church will have greater influence and have the most influence on this earth as she has continued to be blessed when the whole earth falls apart. But if the church, the people of the church who make up the body of Christ don't stand up and get involved in that, then they're going to be no different really truly than the world. That if we're going to be Esau and we're going to trade our stuff and our power and our, and our provision and, and see, you can't trade all that stuff in the church and say, well, we're going to be blessed because we're the church. Well, you're going to be blessed because you're the church because you're following after God's will for your life. That you're doing what he said to do. That you're fighting when times get tough. That you're not giving up. You're giving when it doesn't look like you should be giving. Whether it be money, whether it be things, whether it be stuff. Whether you're getting up in the morning and going for a walk and not going to McDonald's for breakfast. I don't, you know, I'm not saying don't go to McDonald's for breakfast, but you know what I mean. If God said eat right and exercise, then we should be eating right and exercising. Speaking to myself. Corey took a picture of the gym last night. There's nobody in the gym. He was the only person in there that cared about his body. <laughs> or he was just walking by and looking in the window. I don't know which one it was. See, you're being you are being challenged by the enemy. Each one of us are being challenged. The enemy is out, it says, to steal, kill, and to destroy from us. And he cannot do that unless we let him. We cannot do that unless we take the Esau route and trade those things. 
See, we need to make a trade, but the trade is our weaknesses for his strength, not the trade for the devil's stuff for what we have. I mean, how, how, would, that, I mean, how would that, I just can't imagine. If you look in Jude in chapter 3, it says that you have to be willing to contend for the faith. It says, beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning our, our common salvation, I found it necessary to write you to exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith. Contend earnestly. The word contend, it's on, your, it's on your list there. You've got the definition. It says to struggle in opposition, to compete, to wrestle, to battle, to fight. 1 Timothy 6.12 talks about fighting the good fight of faith that I finished, you know, and then 2 Timothy 4.7. They both talk about the fight of faith, the fight of faith. It's a fight. You've heard my story. I sucker punched before I did anything else when I was younger. It cost me some money. <laughs> I broke a kid's nose and had to pay for the x-rays and everything. But I was little and I was jumpy. And when things got ugly, I swung first. We'll ask questions later because I know in my world where I was, I had to fight. Not really. It was Christian school. It was a really loving place. But in my... <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound good. Weston, don't do that. Wherever you are, Weston, don't do that, Weston. Love people. But uh, it was, uh, and, and that, that happened in my life for a while. In any situation I was, I was, I was always on guard, ready to fight. Now, that's not great in the natural, but spiritually in life, you need to be on guard and ready to fight. The weapons of your warfare are different. They're not carnal, see, because they're mighty in God for the pulling down the strongholds. You are in a battle. You are in a war. You are in a fight. So there are going to be times like Esau where you come in. You can be tired, but you don't have to be weary. You can be hungry, but you don't have to be destitute. You don't have to be starving. You should never, ever, and will never, ever, truthfully, in the spirit, you'll never get to the place where you're going to just have to give up everything that you have for the cup of soup and the sustenance. Because it says that in his word, he will provide all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So we should never get to that point in our life as a believer. We should never get to that place. Walt Disney said that all, all, the, all the adversity that I've had in my life, all the troubles, all the obstacles, they, they have all strengthened me. You may not realize it when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the best thing in the world for you. That a kick in the teeth may be the best thing. That may be the thing that, that brings you. How many, I mean, how many of you have been in a place where somebody gave you a little tick and that it was on, man? See, what happens is the devil comes and he shoots an arrow. The devil comes and he says something. Or the devil comes and, you know, and something happens and something goes down in your life. And, I, and that's the moment where you have to decide, am I going to crawl in a hole? Am I going to whine? Am I going to cry? Or am I going to get in the car and I'm going to go up to South Bend and I'm going to speak the word and I'm going to pray? See, that's a devastating situation that happened in their family and in that life. But you have an opportunity in that moment to say, okay, I'm going to go on down that path and I'm just going to be depressed and I'm going to be discouraged and it's not going to happen and I'm not going to get over it and it's just going to be this and all these bad things are going to happen. Or I can stand and say, you know what? The enemy somehow made a way, somehow something happened, but God is on the throne. He is in charge. He is in control. I believe him more than I believe any of this other stuff. And so I'm going to stand. I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to live my life the way that God called me to live. I'm not going to back down on the things. See, it's your choice. You have an Esau moment, you know. You have an Esau Jacob moment in your life all the time you are in a fight you are in a battle now the thing that you can do you can rest knowing that god does provide all of our needs according to his riches you can rest knowing that jesus is with you that's the next thing on your list in deuteronomy in chapter three sorry it's daniel no glasses they've tricked me into getting bifocals so if I were to wear them up here and try to preach and do all this, I would probably throw up, get dizzy, and fall down. 
Because the only place I can see is directly ahead of me. Because I want an Invisalign, right? You don't want to have the two little differences, you know. So you want Invisalign. Well, the way they do it is they make everything else in the world blurry except one little pinhole. So I can look at Bill and I can talk to Bill this way. And then I can look at Corey and I can talk to Corey this way. And I can look over here and do this. But I can't look at anybody else. Driving was a real chore for a while. I finally know I don't drive with those. But see, Jesus is always with you. He's always with you. It says, you know, in 19, the Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke, and he commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it usually is heated. And then they threw them all in. And then it says in verse 23, and then these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to the counselors, did we not just cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered him and said, yes, king, that was true. There were only three men. And he said, look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the first is like the Son of God. See, he is always with you. It doesn't get any worse than being thrown in to a stoked furnace. The furnace is stoked. It actually consumed the people who threw them in. It was so hot. But in they went. And just a few verses before we just read that, it said, hey, I don't care what you do to us, Nebuchadnezzar. I don't care what you say. I don't care what happens to us. Let it be known that we did not bow down to the... See, we did not take a cup of soup for the things that we know are true in our life. I don't care that I face a sea. I don't care that I face a fiery furnace. I don't care that, I mean, that is perish. That, that, is, that is not like somebody going to get mad at you and you're going to get, you know. That's not just losing your job. That is losing your life. That is facing the opportunity to ex- cease existing in the earth. But they went in and Jesus was with them. It says in Matthew, in chapter 28, he said what? As he told the disciples about the Great Commission. He said, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you, he said, right in Deuteronomy. I'm not going to get away. I'm not going to go away. I'm going to be right here with you. And our, and our thing is, well, it's scary. I don't want to go in the furnace. Second Timothy 1.7, God's not giving me a spirit of love, or some, but a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Self-control, self-discipline, and other versions. Well, I like sound mind better. <laughs> that doesn't have to hold me to self-control and self-discipline. Well, if you're not going to trade the soup, then you need self-control. You need self, I mean, take them all. You don't, have to, you don't have to face this life in fear because there's a fight. I was never really scared of the fight. Did you just say nope? <laughs> Todd, were you ever scared of the fight? Oh, no. Todd was ready to drop a guest speaker two years ago. If you were here, Todd... Ty reminds me of that all the time, too. We were talking to Ty this weekend, but he, he reminds me of that. Hey, is that guy still there? Yes, Todd. You're, you're, Todd's here. You're safe, Ty. You can come back. It's all right. He hung this deal from here, and it had a weight on it, and he was going to swing it, and he was going to show that if you don't flinch, it won't hit you. Todd said, it better not hit you. I'll lay you down. <laughs> right here. I'll take you out. Todd, 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 sit down. There's a reason Todd sits behind Pastor Pam. It makes you feel comfortable and safe. But see, he said, go. He said, go, I am with you always. He said, lo, I am with you always. Before that, he says, go into all the world and preach to God. See, go, 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 go. I'm with you. Yeah. It says he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's not going to ditch you. He's not going to run off. He's not going to leave you hanging. You're not going to get to a point in your life, if you're following him, you're not going to get to a point in your life where you're so destitute that you have to trade your soup for sustenance, trade your, trade your birthright for the soup. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. 
Because you're living in all that he has. Now, you may be living in all he has, like those games where you go along and you find health over here and you pick up the health. And you go over here, have you ever played those video games and there's extra food and you pick up the extra food? And you go over here and you're just out of ammo and there's ammo and you pick up the ammo. Well, that makes you be able to go faster. makes you be able to run right. You're not carrying all this extra stuff. Why do you need to pack down with 16 years worth of food? I think some people don't do things that God's asked them to do because they can't get all 16 years worth of provision before they can go do it. And God wants to provide for us how? One day at a time. He didn't tell all those people, hey, I'm going to send some manna down, so what you need to do is build a whole bunch of shelters and fill all the manna up, and then you're going to live off that all these years. Well, that would be incredible, because then they'd have to drag these huts around full of their stuff. God said instead, what? I'm going to provide for you day by day by day. The power of God is there. It resides on the inside of you. Jesus Christ has said that he was a man who walked in power in Luke 4, 14. It said that he came back out of the wilderness after being tempted by the enemy, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. The power was in him. And in Acts 1.8, he said what? You stay right here until you're endued with what? Power. So you could say, oh, I'm a chicken. I'm not a good fighter. I'm not very strong. The power is in you. See, he is with you, and the power is in you. And since he's with you and his power is in you, what shall you be afraid of? See, what could come against you in spiritually minded people, see, you begin to talk to them. If you get them out of the flesh and get them out of their own carnal mind, you begin to talk to them about the truth of the word of God and the truth begins to come out. Oh yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the power, I believe the power of God is all, I mean, that, oh, I'm all powerful. I've got all the dominion. I've got all, I've got all these things. Yeah, 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 you're right. And for like 15 minutes, man, you got it. And what we need to do is we need to live in those 15 minutes the rest of our existence. Pastor Bill, Pastor Pam, they could preach a message, they could teach something, they could talk to you in a moment, and boy, don't you feel like, yeah, Esau was dumb. I got it all going on. And then you get home and you're like, can I have some soup? I can't do it. But see, what, what made you believe that? Pastor Bill wasn't with you, he was telling you that Jesus was with you. See, the power of Pastor Bill wasn't on you, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that was in you. See, those, those things didn't change when you left the office and you went home. Those things didn't change when you left your prayer closet that morning and got to work. Those things are still true, that you, Jesus is with you and his power resides in you. So there is nothing that you can be afraid of. Things didn't happen the way I thought they would. Well, so what? How many of you have had everything go exactly as planned your entire life? Weston, Luke, you good? Lukey, not yesterday? Tough day, huh? One and one now? One and one. Thought it was going to be undefeated. Must be coaching. But anyway, can't, can't be you, right, Luke? I mean, you, you know, you got the skills. It's got to be the guy, with, you know, calling the shots. But how many of you had everything go right? Everything doesn't go right. I got news for you. The world's wild. It's wicked. The devil's out there doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Sometimes you step in a hole. I heard somebody say this. Quit blaming the devil. You stepped in a hole because you're clumsy. It's not the devil of the pothole that's out there getting your car. It's because you can't drive. Maybe. I don't know. But all things are possible. Right? It says so in Matthew. In Deuteronomy, you know, what, what did he say? Is anything too hard for the Lord? He said, is anything too hard for God? It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. Not only is he the God of when you're on top, he's the God of when you're at the bottom. If you look in Deuteronomy, and I wanted to go back to this, and it's something that I learned this week, and so I was very excited. 
made a lot of sense and it really spoke to my heart. It's in Deuteronomy, it's chapter 33, it's verse 27. And Moses is on his way out. And, and as he's on his way out, he, you know, I've, I've heard, I heard Jensen Franklin share this, this, this message and this thing about, about hey, God did a lot of great things on mountaintops. See, a lot of things happened at the top. A lot of things happened at the mountain, you know, the Ten Commandments and all those things. And Jesus spoke on the mountain. There were all these things that happened on the mountaintop. But what we have to understand is, as believers, you don't have to get to the top of the mountain to see God work in your life. You don't have to just be on top to have God be in control. You don't just have to be on top in your life to have good things happening to you. It says here, if you look in 33, it's 27, it says, The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are his everlasting arms. If you look in the New Living Translation, it says, And his everlasting arms are underneath you. If you look up underneath, it says in the, in the Hebrew, if you go back and you look up in the concordance, it says it's called takath, which means the bottom that says that no matter how far that you fall, you won't fall through because his arms are at the bottom. And you say, you know what? I was like that one time, but I traded my birthright for my soup. But you haven't fallen so far that he can't get that back. So you haven't fallen so far that his arms can't reach you because it says his arms are at the bottom. And so when you think that, you know what? I was doing really well for a long time, but I am at what? Rock bottom. That's great because he's there. And his arms, it says, are underneath you, which means he's holding you in that place. You'll never get to a place in your life where he won't be with you, where his power won't be in you, and where his hands won't be underneath you to hold you. You won't get to a place in your life where when you finally look up, you won't be able to look over and see him saying, are you ready to go again? I mean, that's exciting. That's, that's really, I, I, it was exciting for me. I'm excited. You recording? Yeah? Good word. But you got to fight. And see, believers want to know this. Believers want to jump up and down and say this is true. But believers also, we're smart folks. We know that means there's a fight. If I can just not make any waves, it'll be all right. But you're also going to live just a horrible, miserable life. See you in heaven. I refuse to be bummed out. I refuse to live a bad life. I'm going to have fun every day. Every day. And I'll cheerlead you all the way and do all those kind of things, but man, don't, you're not bringing me down. I don't have time to be down. If somebody comes to me, they got some tears in their eyes, and I'm laughing, and they're laughing, then I leave. Hey, you're laughing, good. Keep laughing. See, the truth of the Word of God brings joy in your life, right? It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and His presence is fullness of joy. See, that's exciting. You can believe this for you. This is true. Corin Al been struggling with these, these vehicles, and he's got a, like a 1947 Impala or whatever. What is that thing? What was that you were driving around? A, not, oh, 95. That's better. And there's a 95 Intrepid, Intrepid, this white Intrepid. has 100 and how much? 57,000 miles on it. And when I say stuff to him, he goes, no, man, it's fine. It's only got 157,000 miles. You know, I get in and kind of hang on for dear life. But uh, he, had, he had a mistake, and, and he's, this happened twice to him where he's driving, and he goes to turn, and some bolt breaks, and his car locks up in that turn. Nice. So you're going that direction. <laughs> what a, nice. Dan appreciates it already. Oh, yeah. See, where are we? Where are we? We're not on the side of the road watching that happen. I mean, would that not be awesome? There goes Corey. Hope the kids aren't with him. Because at that point, he's just got his hands up like a roller coaster because he has no control whatsoever, man. He's just going. But that's a serious time. How many of you know that's a serious time when you've got all these kids, you know, 
They got these three monkeys, and they're, they need to go places, and they need to do stuff, and Al's got a job, and he's got a job, and he's driving. I mean, that's important. You've got to have some vehicle to, to drive people around and do some things. But he didn't, he didn't feel like that was the time or the opportunity to go out and to get a car, whether to pay cash or to get a loan or any of those kind of things. That was not the object. That was not the situation. It wasn't a fact of no money. It was a fact of something that he told me and said, I just really truly believe that God's going to somehow make a way, open a door, and somebody's going to give us a car. Now I can say, yeah, man, praise God. Then I was like, whatever, dude. <laughs> You're going to be driving that Intrepid for a long time, man. See, I'm trying to say, hey, Esau, <laughs> get you some soup, man. Get you some soup. <laughs> Drive the soup. <laughs> do whatever you got to do. And, but you know what he said? I know that I just believe that some way God's going to give us a car. Don't know how. And really, truly, you know, he, he starts to kind of plan his ways and kind of makes his steps. You know, I mean, like it says, you know, he's trying to plan his ways. But God directed a, 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 an opportunity. Somebody, somebody called and said, hey, dude, I'm coming over and just walked over and just, you know, here are the keys. Whoosh. Cheers, man. Whoa. 2010. Nine. 2010. Honda minivan. Because he said, huh? Praise God. But somebody who is willing to fight, it's not pretty. It's, I would have bailed on that car in 97. I mean, it's 95. I'd have been out. I mean, I'm sticking with the one I got because that's the one I got. I like it. I'm not going to trade it. I'm going to keep it. God said, yeah, I'm now, now I'm a lot smarter now. How many of you have been upside down so many times that there ain't no way up? We've been there. I'm learning something. But he said... That's it, man. He'd been driving that thing for years, needed all kinds of work for a long time, but he kept, he kept in his heart praying and asking God, praying and believing. And then when this last thing happened, he said, I don't know, but I'm really going to have to seek the Lord. I'm really going to see. It's like the David and the Ziklag thing. When everything gets stolen from you and gets taken away and you've got to fight something, what did he do? Bring me the ephod, what he said. Bring me the ephod. And then he went and he inquired of the Lord and said, what shall we do? And God said, get up off your duff, quit whining, quit crying, go out there and pursue him and take him over. See, I think sometimes we have a, a tendency as believers to start thinking about all that stuff and we start giving up all that stuff and we start giving away all these things because it gets hard. Dude, it's hard. Life is hard. You know, there's a lot of work out there to be done. I know it says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but there's some times where you've got to put up your dukes, you've got to lick your thumbs, and you've got to go to work. Sometimes you've got to grab a shovel and you've got to dig a hole. Now, the people who did that, who gave them that van, they're going to be blessed, man. I mean, that was, it's exciting on both ends. I mean, it's exciting on both ends. How many of you want to give away your 2010 van? I was worried about giving him my 1999 or 2000 Malibu. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, somehow I've got to find a way to give him the Malibu. I don't know. <laughs> Thank God you don't re rely on me, man. You'd be in trouble. <laughs> Thank God. See, I'm glad I got somebody in the office, man, that's hearing from God. Because <laughs> I'm going to give him a 2000 Malibu. You want to trade? Just, just saying. <laughs> See, but you can have faith for this. You can. Why is that any different than you in your situation? Well, he's a pastor. He works at church. Yeah, he's the same as the rest of us. He's not that good. I just built him up for you there for a minute. He's got issues. <laughs> I 
Romans in 12, <laughs> Romans 12, 23. Sorry, 12, 3. But see, he's not going to give up. He's not going to trade his soup. He decided. He basically decided, okay, man, God, you got to come through. And he was getting ready to say, well, God, not that I need to, you know, limit your timeline, but Jose is getting tired of my car sitting in his parking lot with a flat tire. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do something. See, I'm going to have to do something. I, 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 somewhere along the line, there's going to be a moment. And he, he's just going to keep standing until God makes a way. And if God says, okay, you know what? Today's the day. You've got to go take care of it. Tell Jose to get to work. He would have gone and done that. But it was the day. It was the day he was getting ready to call Jose. It was the day he was getting ready to say, you know what? I, just go ahead and do this part and we'll just, we'll just see what happens. It was the day that he was getting ready to do that. And I got a call early in the morning that said, hey, here's the situation. This is what we want to do. You know, we're not sure, you know, how it can work or how it'll work out or whatever. What do you think? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was like, I was to the point where I, I didn't know what I should do. Should I, should I jump up and down? Should I, should I, I mean, I, I was so exciting on both parts, on both parts. But I knew it was the day. See, I knew it was the day where you come home and you're, you're tired and you come home and you're hungry. And he drives by Jose's every day because it's on the way home. And he gets to see his car sitting there with the tire flat. Turned. <laughs> see, he got to the, he got to, he, it was the very day that he was going to say, okay, God, I'm not trying to limit you, but I am trying to say I've got to do something because Jose's on the line. And if you tell me to wait, I'll wait. If you tell me not to, I won't, but I've got to do something. And then the call comes and says, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on a minute. Don't do anything today. And then that afternoon at 6 o'clock, here comes the parade. Praise God. I mean, that is good stuff. But you can have faith for that. It says in Romans 12, it says, For I say, though, that the grace that was given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think highly of himself, more highly than himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a what? A measure of faith. See, he's put that on the inside of you, and he has put that in your heart. And if you go back and then you look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it says that even faith is big as a mustard seed. Because people say, well, I don't have that kind of faith in my life. You don't have to have that great seed. Faith does grow in your life. But he's given you the measure of faith, the piece of faith, the little thing that he's put in your heart that says, if you go to Matthew 17, 20, that if you even have faith this small, you can say to the mountain, be moved, and it'll be cast into the sea. See, you do have. See, you do have. Give the Lord a hand. That's good stuff. Yes, I'm excited about it. Now, see, I'll say that second service, and you know what will happen? They'll jump up out of their seats, and they'll clap their hands like crazy. You know why? Because they're desperate, and they love God, and they want to see. I'm not saying you don't love God, but, but, they're, but they're new. Man, they, they are taking all the words that are spoken as, as just absolute gospel truth, and they don't know that it's not for them. See, in that group, it's a lot of people who are just saved, a lot of people who are really hurting, a lot of people man, who don't have money, who don't have any gas in their car to get home. And when they get here, they need to hear what God said, and God's going to tell them today, you've got a measure of faith, you've got a little piece of faith like this, you can go out there and you can see these things happen in your life because God is God and he's no respecter of persons. If you'll get a hold of it, if you'll get a hold of it and you'll use it in your life and not trade your soup for your birthright, you're going to see some things. I'm just telling you. It's the truth. See, there's no surprises for God. If you go back and you look in, in, in Isaiah in chapter 46, it says that he has made known the end from the beginning. People say, well, you know, God doesn't even know where I am. Yeah, he does. 
It said he made known the end from the beginning of your life. And then not only did he make known that, if you look in the message Bible, it says from the very beginning, telling you what the ending will be. From the very beginning, he had placed the seed in your life that will get you to the end. See, it's the measure of faith. And it says that measure of faith, even as be as small as a mustard seed, as he places it in your life, he knows the end from the beginning. It didn't say he knew the beginning and then he said he's going to work on the end. It says he made the end and now he's going to come back to the beginning. And in the beginning, he put a thing inside of you that said you can make it now to the end. See, Jesus is with you, right? His power is in you. His arms are underneath you. He's placed faith in your heart that's going to get you from where you are today to where you need to be in the end. But you can't trade your soup. You can't get rid of the soup for the things. Whatever you face, you have faith for that. You face a situation where the car breaks, you have faith for that. Faith a situa- face a situation where, the, where Amy loses her bet, you have faith for that. Well, I don't know what it is. Ask God. I don't know what to say. Ask God. Well, heck, who, does, who has the words? See, who, ha, who has the knowledge? Who has the wisdom for that? Who has the wisdom in those situations? I mean, I can sit down with him and go over like 14 plans. He can begin to make his way and begin to think, I'm going to do this, this, and this. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't have faith for that. I have faith for this. See, I have faith that God will make a way. I have faith that God will open the door. I have faith that God will bring the healing. I have faith that God will bring the car. I have faith that God will make a way for me. See, I have faith that God will provide all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I don't have faith for me. I don't have faith for my ideas. I don't have faith for your ideas. I have faith for God. See, I have faith in God and what he's going to do. His hands are beneath me. I know I've I've never done this before. I've ended up in the lowest place of my life. His hands are beneath you. His arms are there. You won't fall through. But you can't lose the faith. Yeah, but you don't know what happened to me. You can't lose the faith. Turn to Luke. Chapter 22. Disney went bankrupt. I mean, how many people, you go back, just go home and type up, you know, like Google, like, you know, all the people that have been bankrupt and have been successful. But there's, there's a list. Disney went bankrupt. He was all over the place, man. He couldn't, he couldn't hardly keep his mouse going. But he had a, see, he had a dream. He believed in his mouse. He actually said one of his quotes, one of his, <laughs> I got the mouse people over here, man. They're all about Disney, man. You start preaching Disney, that's when they start saying Amen. I'm surprised they don't have the Disney Bible. You know, got ears on it. and Thus, Mickey said on the mount. I, you know, I don't know. But Disney actually said, I love that mouse more than I love anything. I mean, that was one of his quotes. He loved his mouse. He believed that this was going to work. And he never gave up. He never gave up. He didn't let a door slam. He didn't let a bankruptcy slam. He didn't let these things slam in his life that stopped him. He just kept pursuing and kept going after. It says in Luke in chapter 22, It's Jesus talking to Peter. How many of you know Peter had an issue, right? He said, Simon, Simon, in verse 31, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that you may be sifted as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. See, I haven't prayed for you that somehow somebody will intervene. I haven't prayed for you that you'll have strength and that you'll be able to say no. I haven't prayed for you that you'll remember all the things that we've done on this earth together. I won't pray for you that you remember that about what's to happen, see, is, is for good. I won't, I won't, I won't, I'm not praying those things for you. I am praying for you that your faith will not fail. Because see, if you have faith, if you've lost everything in your life and you're at the bottom point in your life, but you have faith, you'll come back. See, you'll be back. If you get to that point in your life where you hit the bottom, his arm, where are his arms? His arms are underneath you at what? The bottom. And if you don't give up the faith, if you don't lose the faith, if you don't let go of the mustard seed, if you hang on to that thing, he is with you and his power is in you and you will come back. 
This is exciting. Because I know where I'm going. See, I know where I'm going, and I know that God is saying, hey, 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 by the way, don't trade your cup of soup, man. Don't trade your birthright for a cup of soup. I'm thinking, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm always hungry. But, I, you know, no soup. No soup. Huh? No soup for you. No soup for you. <laughs> it's very good. Where are you guys when I'm putting this stuff together? Come on. That would have been good. See, the timing's off, but second service, that's going to be awesome. It's going to look like my idea. It's going to be great. See, is your faith like the Energizer Bunny? It keeps going and going and keeps going and going, even to the point where that bunny is annoying. It makes me want to punch the TV, sneak in and put a Duracell in there or something. But, man, it just, it just drives me crazy. But how many of you know people like that in faith? Man, they keep going, they keep going, they keep going. They keep speaking, they keep saying, they keep doing. I'm thinking, get a car, get a car, get a car. I'll steal you a car. We'll get you a bus. We'll do whatever. You know? And he's saying all along, I don't know. I don't, God's going to make a way. He's going to tell me. See, God's going to tell me what to do. Not God's going to just bring me a car, but if God doesn't bring me a car. He's going to open up a door. He's going to make a way. He's, God will ultimately come through for me, and I'm not going to trade my soup for my miracle. Not going to trade my soup. I'm not going to trade my miracle for a cup of soup. I'm not that hungry. God provides for me. If I have to fast, then I'll fast. See, it all works like that. But you've got to finish strong. Hebrews 12. And here's the thing. This is for us. Now, we've all, we all been in the faith for a while. Many of us have been working at it, been going at it. And I'm not saying you're not a fighter because most of you have fought. You've fought for everything that you have. But I'm telling you this. Don't stop fighting because there's some more fight coming. There's a lot more fight coming. And if we're going to move into the place that God has for us, if we're going to run the race that God has for us as individuals and as a church, then we're going to have to get, man, we're going to lick the thumbs, man. We're going to have to get together. We're going to have to get going. It says in Hebrews, Therefore we are also surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run the race with endurance, the race that's set before us. Not somebody else's race. The race that's set before you. Yeah, but I like their life better. I didn't ask you to run their race. But I want to be like this. He didn't ask you to run that race. He said, run the race that's set before you. Well, I don't like it, so I'm not running it. Coach said, go run the 400. I'm an 800 man. Well, then you'll sit down. <laughs> Somebody else will run your 400. I'm an 800 guy. Well, then you can die being an 800 guy that never ran the 800 race. Because the coach said, run 400. See, what do we think of Daniel? I mean, Daniel would have said, nope, oh, I'm not a sinner. I'm a receiver. <laughs> Aunt Lori cracks up. The kid's not nimble of foot. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> he's a fighter because he played center at 160 pounds. I mean, he's a fighter. You know, he had that big guy break his leg in half, literally. I mean, he's a fighter. He went back and he worked out and rehabbed so he could play for two more years. But what would it have been like if he would have gone to his coach and said, yeah, I'm not a center, I'm a receiver? Heck, we tried to all get him to be quarterback. Bob was like, Grandma was like, hey, you can be the quarterback. Grandma, no, I can't be the quarterback. No, I, you can be a quarterback, Grandma. I can't throw. <laughs> okay, there's an issue. <laughs> and the quarterback has to be able to throw. See, but you have to run the race that's set before you, looking unto Jesus. See, who is, it? Who is with you? Jesus. 
If you look up the word endure, you've got it on your list. It says the ability to, or strength to continue or last despite fatigue, stress, and adverse conditions. Not trading your soup. See, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run without trading our soup the race that was set before us. You'll never be able to look at soup again. See, but most of us bail out along the way somewhere in the race. Pete ran 31 miles yesterday. Yeah, wow. Give Pete a hand. That's like six months' work for me. It's good stuff. 31 miles. That's, I don't even know how far that is. That's a long way, man. That's past Delphi. Yeah, you could run home to Delphi to your mom and dad's house and then keep going. That's like juvenile facility. He'd have to go like a Logan sport almost to go 31 miles. <laughs> Sheepers. Some people. But he works hard. Doesn't just happen. You just can't go out and run 31 miles. He does workouts that make him, he said the other day, I, 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 it makes my, my lungs, I can, I, I can taste the blood. Oh, I don't want to work that hard. It's not your race, don't worry. He's not asking you to do that. But if you want to run 31 miles, you might want to give it a shot. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says that he would trade, that his strength is made perfect in what? Our weakness. He knows where you are. We've got to finish strong. You have to finish strong. It takes faith. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. Isaiah 40.31 says what? That he will, he will bring us up. He will renew our strength as the eagles if we what? If we wait on him. That doesn't mean sit in your house. That means you're expecting. See, that, that means that, that you're looking for. You're expecting. You're following. See, that, that's, that's it. It's not waiting like... How many of you know believers, man? They've been saved a long time, and they're just, I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, you're not necessarily waiting the way that the Bible says to wait, because the Bible says that you're waiting in expectancy, and as you're in expectancy and you're in faith, you're actually doing the work, and you're doing the things that he has for you to do. But you're knowing that it's coming from somewhere. See, he knows that God's word's coming from somewhere. I don't know if Van's going to show up at my house, going to show up at church. I don't know if he's going to make a way. I don't know if this guy's going to fix it for free. I don't know if I'm going to drive the intrepid forever. I don't know what it is, but God's going to make a way, and I know he is, I, and I know he is. I know he is. Yeah, he will. He will. He will. Every time I went in and said, what are you doing? He goes, I don't know. God's going to make a way. God's going to make a way. So you've got, you got to hang on. You've got to hang on. You've got to hang on. You can't give away your gift. You can't give away your seed. You can't give away your peace. Joshua 1.9. And here's the thing that really probably, hopefully, with this group especially, Joshua's getting ready to, to cross over the river, and it says, you know, if you look up there in, in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. So here's a guy, Joseph, who's been waiting all this time for this opportunity in this moment. <clears throat> and God tells him, Moses is dead. You're in charge, dude. Here it goes. Now, see, he's on, he's, on, he's on the cusp of all the things that have been promised for generations and generations and generations and generations. All of these people that have come before him, it's all been about what? The promised land, the promised land, the promised land, and all of these things. And now he's at the moment where now, not, I mean, he already passed one test way back there a long time ago, right? All this time had to go past, and now he's at this place. Moses now is dead, and he's getting ready to walk over into this thing. I mean, think about it. I mean, that could be a point where you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that was a good idea back there when we said go the first time. See, because go the first time, man, I was just like one of the guys. And I was just saying, let's all go together, and, and Moses was in charge. But see, now Moses is not in charge. So now, now Jacob, or now, now, uh, now Joshua, ha- he has to do this. He has, now see, how many of you are like that in your life? It was better when mom was doing it, or when dad was doing it, or when uncle was doing it, or somebody else was doing it. But now today, see, you've got to do it. 
I'm not saying those people are dead and nobody has to die, but what I'm saying is that thing is you're in that position now where now all of a sudden it's you. And now you've got to go across this river. You've got to take all these people and you have to go into, what the? What is it? What is it? What is it? It's the promised land. It's the promised land. How would you like to come home every day and your car is parked at Jose's? And you've got a wife and she's driving the van and you've got all these little kids and they want to go somewhere. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. See, but he's alone. Now he's in this place. He's got to say, okay, God, you've got to be gone. And God said, be what? Strong and of good courage. Verse 9, it says, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's what we said in the beginning. Jesus is with you. Let's stand up this morning. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.